This is Friend of the Family, created by C. Paris and is a strange and unusual production. Please visit our website at strangeandunusual.com. That's S-T-R-A-N-G-E-N-U-N-U-S-U-A-L.com. Thank you. Hello again, you loyal listeners, and welcome to a very special episode of Friend of the Family. We shall start with a question. Is there a higher power controlling our destiny? Is there a superior intelligence that directs the course of our lives? And if so, what does he, she, or other have planned for us? Does it care about our happiness? Does it delight in our misery? We may never truly know the answer, but, as Alice and Asmodeus are about to learn, the absolute last thing you want that higher power to have is a sense of humor. Hey, Monster Killer Barbie, your uncle wants... What is that? What's what, vampire asshole Ken? That music, where's it coming from? The internet. The creator puts all this stuff online. I just found out about it. You know, most of my life we could only get music from people playing instruments. Then the wax cylinder came along and I thought it was the greatest invention ever. But now every time I blink there's a new system. I stopped counting after the 8-track. It's kind of catchy. Who wrote it? Oh, his name is Never Jonathan. mind, don't care. Your uncle said to meet him in his study in ten minutes. I was just thinking it's been too quiet lately. The two of them walked to Uncle Lawrence's study, pondering what fiendish abomination they would face next. Ghouls? Demons? Or perhaps their fairy friend had returned from the Never-Never to wreak his mischief. No, uh-uh. We banished him for good. He's not coming back. No way. Who? Prince, um, Mud-something or other? What makes you think he's back? Nothing. Right? Oh no. This time it'll be something much more fun. Oh, this one's going to suck. What makes you say that? Let's just get this over with. The two of them entered the study with a deep sense of foreboding. Uncle Lawrence sat behind his desk waiting for them, as he always did when giving the new assignment. For a moment it seemed that this would be like any other mission until they noticed that this time they were not alone for their briefing. Who's the chick? Ah, yes. Alice Asmodeus. This is... Hello. I'm here on behalf of my employer. Let's just call him Mr. C. Mr. C? It's a pleasure to meet the two of you. It's a pleasure to meet me indeed. What are you doing here? She will be giving your next assignment. Her? But she's not a family member. Yeah, I didn't realize our services were for hire. They're not, but, well, let's just say this is a special circumstance. It's just a small favor. Shouldn't be too difficult for the two of you. What is it? Have you heard of Future Soon Industries? Can't say that I have. It's a large corporation that conducts scientific research in a number of areas. Nearly all major advancements of the past five years have come from one of their subsidiaries. What does this have to do with us? They have something. An object labeled as the... Terminus. I need the two of you to procure it for me. By procure, I take it you mean steal? I assure you it's vital that my employer receive the Terminus. In the hands of future soon's current leadership, the Terminus could be catastrophic. And we regularly break the law for the greater good. I don't know, this just seems... Steal something, kill something, whatever. You can stay behind if you're too scared to get your hands dirty. You'd only get in my way. Alice's eyes narrowed as Asmodeus said the magic words. You'd only get in my way. I'm in. Excellent. Now, the location of the Terminus is kept secret, 
so you'll need to infiltrate the company first. And I suppose I should warn you, I've met some of the characters you'll encounter, and they can be a bit... strange. Please, they can't be any stranger than the things I've seen. Mr. C's mysterious assistant studied the two of them and grinned. One week later, Alice sat behind the receptionist's desk in the lobby of Future Soon Industries. Future Soon Industries, this is Lisa. Dozens of employees with nice fancy ties streamed back and forth under the glaring fluorescent lights. Alice, aka Lisa, was now another cog in corporate America. Please hold while I transfer you. It wasn't a bad job, as covers go, but there were a few minor annoyances. Hey there! Oh, hi, I'm- Lisa, I know, we met during your orientation. Okay, we didn't really meet, but I saw you from across the room. I'm Tom, one of the computer programmers up on the 16th floor. Hello, Tom. Anyway, I thought I'd just come down to make say hello, and make sure you're feeling welcome here at Future Soon. Thanks, I'm, I'm doing well. Awesome! By the way, that is a nice sweater. Thanks. I mean, that is a really nice sweater. It's amazing. Uh, Was it, like, knitted just for... Tom? Alice and Tom turned to see a sour, middle-aged man in a fine business suit storming up to them. Oh, hello, Rob. Tom, what on earth makes you think you have time to flirt with a new girl when you have the Henderson account to do? I sent it to you yesterday. (laughs) No, yesterday all I got from you was a steaming pile of manure. That login page wasn't even functional, never mind elegant. Now go back to your cubicle and get it right this time. But- Don't argue. Me manager, you programmer. When managers say write code, code monkey write code. Maybe manager wanna write goddamn login page himself. He was, he was already walking away. I don't think he heard you. I'm pretty sure he did. So would you like a soda? I can get a cup and some ice. No thanks. Soda would make me fat and, and I've got all these phones, so. Oh, yeah. See you later, I guess. A few hours later, the sun had set and it was quitting time. Alice watched the various office drones shuffle out of the building, waiting patiently by her desk. And shortly after everyone had left, a security guard came by. Excuse me, ma'am. We're closing up. I'm afraid you'll have to leave. Oh, I'm actually staying late to catch up on some work. Sorry, ma'am, but nobody can stay in the building after six. New company policy. Oh, so there, there's nobody else in this building? No, ma'am. Just me. Oh, good. And sorry. Alice held out her hands to catch the guard as she fell. Asmodeus, appearing out of nowhere, had thwacked the guard sharply on the back of the head. Alice double-checked to make sure she was still breathing, and Asmodeus shot Alice a toothy grin. Security sure is weak around here. Just help me get her into the maintenance closet. The two of them secured the guard in the utility room and made their way to the elevators. Did you find out where the Terminus thing is? Information is too closely guarded around here, but I did manage to grab one of the manager's access cards. Maybe we can find something in Rob's office. I'm sorry, did you say you have Rob's access card? The two of them turned, startled, to find Tom with a hopeful grin on his face. What are you still doing here? 
Oh, you know, I really needed to catch up on some work, catch up on papers, maybe watch you leave from a distance and make sure you got home okay, but you just told your boyfriend here that you have Rob's access card. First, not my boyfriend. No way in hell. Second, there is a perfectly reasonable explanation for why I took his card. You see- Who cares? You have his card. Do you have any idea how long I've been trying to get into his office? I've been dreaming of a prank opportunity on that jerk ever since he got here. Just give me a few minutes in his office and I'll pay him back for at least a month of putting up with this crap. Tom, we don't have time to- Just let me in his office, and I swear, I won't tell anyone about you taking his card. So, you don't care that we stole an access card and knocked out a security guard, as long as you can vandalize this guy's office? I think the budget cutbacks last June took the last of my company loyalty. Anyway, just give me ten minutes, and I'll meet you up by his office. Tom- Okay, great, see you there. Alice and Asmodeus watched him run happily to the dumpster out back. Shrugging, Asmodeus pressed the elevator button. We can't take him with us while we search for the Terminus. It does not look like he's going to get in our way. Well, but what do we do if we run into trouble? Throw him forward as a distraction and escape? No, Asmodeus, as a descendant of the Belford line, I am giving you a direct order. You will make sure to keep that man alive no matter what. Understood? But- Understood, Azzy? Perfectly. The two of them rode up the elevator in stony silence. When they reached their destination, they strode out expecting to find an empty floor. To their surprise, the floor was anything but empty. They ducked quickly around a corner and watched almost a hundred workers shuffle from cubicle to cubicle, office to office, all with a strange, glazed-over look in their eyes. I thought the building was supposed to be deserted. Clearly it isn't. So why are all of these people here working? They may be working, but they're not breathing. Huh? Then Alice noticed it too. Not a single employee appeared to be breathing, talking, or doing anything but the mindless tasks ahead of them. What is this, the zombie shift? They're not zombies. They don't smell right. These are... I don't know what these are. I've never seen anything like them. What's going on? Tom watched the dead employees with confusion, carrying two bags with a very unpleasant odor. Alice grabbed him and pulled him behind the corner, but it was too late. They've seen us, haven't they? One of them was looking up from his workstation. Wait a minute. That's Bob from the office down the hall. But he died of an aneurysm last year. Bob turned to his keyboard and typed. I just got an email from Bob. Hey there, Tom. It's Bob from... All you want to do is... Lisa, I just got a text saying they wanted to eat our brains. Just start backing away to the elevator. By now, all workers in the room were watching them and salivating. They got three steps before the office undead lurched after them. Tom hit the elevator button frantically as Alice and Asmodeus assumed their defensive postures. Thankfully, the elevator opened and the three of them got inside before the corporate zombies could reach them. (sighs) That was a close one. Tom and Alice barely heard the gas nozzle before they slumped to the floor. Asmodeus watched them fall with heartless amusement. Please, they're only knocked out. And it's going to take a lot more than that to- Two wires shot down from the ceiling, connecting to Asmodeus' chest and delivering a lethal dose of direct current. (laughs) While it didn't kill him, obviously, the shock did send the vampire twitching to the floor. When he finally regained consciousness, Asmodeus found himself strapped to an examination table. The table was in a sparse room with stone walls, most likely underground, and illuminated by a single light fixture overhead. 
Standing in front of him was a man in a white lab coat with a wild mane of white hair. That's an understatement. I doubt the thing's seen a comb in years. Ah, so you're awake. What? Who are you? Where are we? And where's Alice? Tom was strapped to a similar table to Asmodeus's left, but Alice was nowhere to be seen. Who? Lisa, the girl that was with me. Did you hurt her? Oh, I wouldn't worry about her. She's quite safe. Really? Aw. Damn. I'm the founder, president, and CEO of Future Soon Industries. But please, call me Dr. Skullcrusher, and welcome to my secret mountain lair. Oh god, if this is about all the pens I've stolen... What were those things back in the office? Zombies? <laughs> Zombies? Of course not. How ridiculous. They were former employees, reanimated by my specially designed bacteria. Bacteria? You may not see them, but they're there. Just like all CEOs, I'm always on the lookout for ways to cut costs. But workers in the field of high-tech science can be so expensive. And it's hard to find undocumented aliens with advanced degrees in hypertopology. Then I thought, what about dead people? By reanimating my expired employees, I create a workforce with the same technical skill but without those pesky needs for food and sleep. There's no downside. They wanted to eat our brains. Yes, well, it's still in beta testing. You mean, even after you kill me, I'm still going to be working at this hellhole? No, my friend. You're going to help me with my latest acquisition. Dr. Skullcrusher disappeared from the light, returning with a large brown cube. Behold, my transmogrifier. A cardboard box. I stole the design from a six-year-old kid with a stuffed tiger. The boy's a genius, really. Lifting the light cardboard effortlessly, Dr. Skullcrusher placed it over Tom. That's not going to kill him, is it? Because I really can't allow that. No, it won't kill him, but it will transform him into an animal of my choosing. Really? Neat. Activate! Dr. Skullcrusher pressed the side of the device and it began to hum in operation. For a few moments, Tom's muffled screams could be heard, until everything was silenced. Upon lifting the box, the human Tom was no longer there. <laughs> Monkey! Another triumph. And as for you... If you're thinking of using that thing on me... Don't worry, vampire. The transmogrifier is only calibrated to work on living flesh. No, for you... I have something special. Dr. Skullcrusher left and returned with a small box fastened together in a big red bow. Smiling, he placed it on Asmodeus's stomach. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have business to attend to. Asmodeus watched him go. As soon as Dr. Skullcrusher left, he wrenched his arm up, breaking the straps with a loud crunch. Eyeing the box curiously, Asmodeus opened the lid and examined the contents. Doll. He gave me a doll? Incredulous, he reached for the back of the doll and pulled the string. You're my new best friend! Okay, creepy. But still, that guy has got to be kidding me. Ooh, ooh, ee, ee. Come on, let's get out of here. Asmodeus tossed the doll across the room and headed for the door. The doll watched him and the monkey leave. Alice, meanwhile, awoke to very different circumstances. She was not strapped to any cold examination table, but lying on a warm feather bed. Rather than a cold basement lab, she was in a luxurious suite with a breathtaking mountain view outside of an enormous bay window. Oh good, you're awake. 
Dr. Skullcrusher leaned in the doorway, looking her up and down with an uncomfortable grin. Alice shot up from the bed and glared. Who are you? And where's Asmodeus? Did you hurt him? The vampire? He's unharmed. Really? Oh, damn. Where am I? My name is Dr. Skullcrusher, and welcome to my secret mountain lair. Are you quite comfortable? Can I get you anything? I'm fine. Dr. Skullcrusher eagerly advanced while Alice nervously retreated. She was used to facing vicious monsters, but Dr. Skullcrusher had a look in his eye that made her uncomfortable. I'm so glad to have found you again, Laura. My name is Lisa. Actually, I believe it's Alice, but I'm not going to hold that against you. You remind me so much of my first Laura. She was my high school love, and I did so much to get her attention. I even left a note on her desk. Then she figured out I'd sent it, and the whole class laughed at me for days. Dr. Skullcrusher paused and closed his eyes, listening to something inside his head. But it was all for the best. If it weren't for that high school trauma, I never would have studied science so vigorously. And now look at me. I'm the CEO of the world's leading technology firm. I have my own secret mountain lair. And in seven hours, I'll be the invincible ruler of the world. You're trying to take over the world? It's kind of my thing. Of course, no global conquest is as thrilling if there's no one to share it with. Someone special. Someone like you. Uh. Just picture it. This time tomorrow, you could be crowned queen of the entire world. Doesn't that sound nice? Well, uh... I know this is moving a little fast, but I've learned you need to seize every opportunity life gives you. I made you a little something to prove my sincerity. Do you like ponies? Yes. Do you like monkeys? Where are you going with this? Dr. Skullcrusher took her excitedly by the hand. Follow me, my dear. Nearly skipping with delight, Dr. Skullcrusher led her excitedly down the corridor to a nearby room. With a dramatic gesture, Skullcrusher opened the door to a small stable with a stall containing... Uh... Oh, sweet, merciful God! It, it's beautiful! You like it? Yes! You really mean it? Yes! You're not just lulling me into a false sense of security so you can knock me out with that nearby vase? No. Excelsior! What luck to at last find my one true Laura on this day of all days. It's the first of May, after all, and you know what that means. Freak. Running down the corridors of the secret mountain lair, Alice searched frantically for any room that could lead to a way out. She found no exits, although she did find... Oh, it's you. Great, you're alive. Hurrah. Well, now can we... Ah! What? Goal! Alice turned to where Asmodeus was pointing, and sure enough, there was the doll, staring right at him. Alice picked it up. This? You're scared of a doll? Hey, I've left that doll in five different rooms, but it's always waiting for me in the next one. I swear it's following me. Seriously? You're freaking out over a doll. It's creepy! Great, this is just what I... Wait, where's Tom? Who? (laughs) Oh, right, he's right here. That's a monkey. Yeah, he got transmogrified or something. Pretty neat, really. I told you to protect him! You told me to keep him alive. You didn't say anything about letting him get turned into a monkey. Fuming, 
Alice pulled the doll's string and waved it in his face. Let's play forever! Get that thing out of my face! For hours, Alice, Asmodeus, and their newly simian companion roamed the corridors of the mountain lair, searching for something to help their situation. But the complex was immense, with no logical floor plan or labeling to help them. And everywhere they went... <laughs> there it is again! Everywhere I go, that creepy doll follows us! That doll is evil! I tell you, it is evil! So? You're evil? Well, yeah, but the doll is creepy. I can't believe Big Bad Azzy is scared of a little dolly. Centuries-long oath or not, I will find a way to kill you. Can we please just find the exit? It's impossible to find anything. The layout doesn't make any sense. Ooh, ooh! Pulling on Alice's leg, the monkey gestured for them not to speak and pointed to the next room. Carefully... The three of them looked around the corner to find a large chamber, filled with numerous storage containers that appeared to contain numerous items. And at the end of the chamber was a large console containing numerous keyboards and dials and a large screen. And on that screen were three large metal creatures, and in front of that screen stood Dr. Skullcrusher. Hope that the last shipment will fulfill our bargain. Indeed. It has been most agreeable dealing with you, Skullcrusher. Good luck with your conquest. Oh, and Merry Christmas. But it's not Christmas. On Chiron Beta Prime, it is always Christmas. Dr. Skullcrusher sighed as the screen went blank. <sighs> such nice people. I wonder why robot overlords always get such a bad reputation. Ah, you two, there you are. Dr. Skullcrusher turned around slowly, just as Alice and Asmodeus were preparing to charge. He looked at Alice with a disappointed expression. Oh, Laura, we could have been so good together. My name is Alice. I've had just about enough of your creepy little mountain. These were the worst hours in my life, and that's really saying something. So you are going to tell us how to get out of here right now. Or what? Or I am going to- Ah! Get it off! Get it off! Flailing his arms, the big, strong Asmodeus tore the little doll from his head and threw it to the floor, seething at how an inanimate doll had gotten the drop on him. Screw you, that doll is creepy. I have had enough. Asmodeus picked up one of the nearby boxes, dumped the contents, and threw the doll inside. Sealing the box and laughing hysterically, he pulled out a lighter and set the box ablaze. Uh. Ha! Take that, you creepy doll. Burn! Burn! Uh, Azzy? Die, you stupid! Azzy! What? We are inside the box. Huh? We are inside the box that you just set on fire. Asmodeus looked around, watching the cardboard that surrounded them on all sides catch fire. I really hate that doll! Dr. Skullcrusher watched the box burn, hugging the doll to his chest. A pity she had to die with the vampire and the monkey. She could have been the one. And now... Now I have the entire world, and no one to share it with. <sighs> Farewell, Laura number five. You will be missed. My name is Alice! Just as Dr. Skullcrusher turned around, Alice socked him with a right hook. But how? I'm a vampire, you nutcase. Do you really think any doll, no matter how creepy, can defeat me? That doesn't really explain how- Give me that! Snatching the doll from Dr. Skullcrusher's hands, Asmodeus pulled out the string and wrapped it around her neck. Wait! Stop! I'm your- 
And as for you... With the lightning speed that only a vampire can possess, Asmodeus launched a punch capable of shattering a human skull, only to stumble in shock when Dr. Skullcrusher caught Asmodeus' fist in his hand. Sorry, vampire. I'm afraid you're out of your league. Skullcrusher shoved his arm forward, sending Asmodeus flying across the room. Alice watched in astonishment as Skullcrusher ripped open his lab coat, revealing a mechanical body made of cold, unrelenting steel, covered in flashing lights. You're a robot! No, a cyborg. Part robot, part human. These, on the other hand... Skullcrusher pressed one of the buttons on his chest, and panels opened up from the ceiling. Menacing, terrifying, mechanical monstrosities came down from the ceiling, much to Alice's horror. Behold my robots, fashioned from the strongest grade of titanium and powered by technology from Chiron Beta Prime. Stronger than your vampire and invulnerable to nearly all weapons, they are but a fraction of the army I possess. We launch in 20 minutes, but first I suppose I had better dispose of you. Skullcrusher began pressing various buttons on his body, controlling his robot horde. They snatched Alice with no difficulty. Asmodeus hit them, clawed at them, and then tried to run from them, but they suffered no damage and he too was soon captured. As Skullcrusher pressed that final button, Alice took comfort knowing that Asmodeus was dying too. What the? Activate! What's going on here? Skullcrusher repeatedly pressed the button with a frustrated look. MONKEY! Everyone turned in the console, where they saw the monkey typing furiously. Lines of code streamed past the screen at an incredible rate. He must have hacked into the source code! Bad Code Monkey! Get away from the console! No! Go, Code Monkey, go! Skullcrusher began pressing the buttons on his chest furiously to regain control, but it was a losing battle. He only had two hands to work with. While the Code Monkey was typing on the console with four hands and using his tail to work the dials. Screaming with frustration, Dr. Skullcrusher suddenly froze, lifeless, and Alice and Asmodeus were released. He did it! I love you, Code Monkey! <laughs> Code Monkey clapped in happiness and ran to give Alice a hug, while Asmodeus walked up to Dr. Skullcrusher and twisted his head around three times for good measure. That was for the doll. Well, now what? Code Monkey? Do you have access to his entire system? Oh, See if you can find the exit. Oh, and, and something called a terminus. After a few minutes typing, a full schematic of the layer appeared on the screen with the exits clearly labeled. A hidden drawer in the console opened up, releasing a gray metal cube with terminus clearly written on the side. Finally. Now what to do about the robots? <laughs> the code monkey continued to type and the self-destruct sequence was activated. Alice and Asmodeus watched as a one-hour countdown appeared on the screen. That'll do nicely. Time to go. The mountain layer of Dr. Skullcrusher was remote, but fortunately, the explosion attracted a lot of attention. Alice, Asmodeus, and the Code Monkey were soon found, and after some hassle, they managed to make it back to the Belford Mansion. After many long showers, they finally arrived in Uncle Lawrence's study to find him sipping tea with the mysterious woman. Ah, back again, are you? Was the mission successful? Here, take the damn thing. Asmodeus threw the Terminus roughly into the secretary's hands. Any complications? Well, one. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I have a place for him. Hello, Code Monkey. Code Monkey like Fritos? Code Monkey like Tab and Mountain Dew? Ah, well, that's all good then. Kudos. 
Indeed. We can all rest easy now that the Terminus is out of Dr. Skullcrusher's hands. Taking the box in her hands, Mr. C's assistant pressed the latch on the top. The box opened, finally revealing a... That's it? Yep. A cake? Yep. We infiltrated a major company. Met medically reanimated office workers. Got captured by an insane cyborg scientist. Saw a man get turned into a monkey. Received a hideous monster as a present. Nearly got killed by a creepy doll. And a robot army. Then had to escape an exploding mountain and find our way back here. And in the end, there's cake. It's delicious and moist. Ooh, can I have some? Sure. Alice? Asmodeus? I really can't. Okay. And so, three out of four of them, and the Code Monkey, all enjoyed their cake in celebration of the successful mission, while Asmodeus pouted in the corner. So what do you think, dear listeners? Was there a higher power controlling these events? Did the various people Alice and Asmodeus encounter spring from someone's imagination? And what, if anything, does that higher power want from us? Mostly, I just like people to listen to some wonderful music available at Well, that's all the time we have for this adventure, dear listeners. Until next time. This is Friend of the Family, created by C. Paris and is a strange and unusual production. Please visit our website at strangeandunusual.com. That's S-T-R-A-N-G-E-N-U-N-U-S-U-A-L.com. Thank you. I love you, Code Monkey.